Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 56 with our guest, Donna Sager Cowan. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. As the youngest child in a large family, our guest felt lost in the crowd. She entertained herself by making up stories and friends to play with. I can relate. By age five, she had taught herself to read, and that began her imaginative imaginative journey to dreamy castles with princesses and fairy godmothers. Joining us on today's program is Donna Sager Cowan, the creator of the Superhero School series and the author of the new release with The Courage of a Mouse to share her inspiring story to becoming a respected published children's author. I'm sure that's only one small detail of this extraordinary woman we're about to learn all about. Help me welcome Donna Sager Cowan. How are you, Donna? I'm doing great. So good to hear. I can see that and I can feel it. So I want to start with the the biggest thing that I can relate to, that growing, well, not the growing up in a large family because I'm the youngest of three sons. So there were only three of us. Uh, but, you know, I also felt very alone, very isolated, as, as did you. Yes, um, I did. You know, I was the youngest of six. And in fact, you know, you kind of get lost in that crowd where there's just too many people to, for the parents to kind of overlook. And so a lot of times I was being parented and looked over um, by my older siblings, you know, they, they were teenagers and then that was an annoyance because, you know, who at 14 wants to look after their little sister. <laughs> mm. Well, we're going to uh, double back in a bit and really unravel all of that. But I want to talk about some of the things you're doing today. I'm looking on the screen behind you and you have um, with the courage of a mouse. Uh, great, great. Uh, I mean, tell us what that is. Well, I'm going to show you. I actually have the book. So um, this, is, this is my first book in this series with Courage of the Mouse. It um, follows um, two animal characters, 
where they are trying to learn how to be friends when typically they are enemies to go to superhero school and they find out that they actually each has what the other one needs to be great. So, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting adventure. We keep it moving along. There's a lot of subject matters in it and, um, it's a fun, joyous ride, which is what I wanted. Who is the ideal reader? What age are we talking about? Um, it is um, rated for 7 to um, 13, which is considered a middle grade. Um, but, you know, it's like I've had adults tell me that they, they really love the story. So, you know, it's there rated you, for middle grade, but anybody can read it. There you go. That's what I was getting at. That's what I was implying because you started talking about I want to talk about that theme. Tell me mm-hmm. that again. It's about these two characters where ultimately we learn that one has what the other needs. And I want to see how we can apply that to an adult's everyday life. Well, and, and just to kind of briefly go over the um, story is the, the cat has actually had a very rough life and she um, is very unsure of herself, very um, intimidated and very scared all the time and questions you know, kind of her place in the world, where the mouse has actually had a very stable life and has been large and in charge and, you know, kind of has a plan for anything. So it starts out where, you know, he becomes kind of leading this cat around by the nose. But what we find out is that he's a little egotistical. And so he needs to learn to kind of temper himself and and, and to take everyone's, you know, um, thoughts and ideas into consideration when he makes all of his crazy plans. But then, you know, the cat also learns that, you know, she needs to stand up for herself. She needs to take charge of her own life and quit waiting for people to give her permission. Hmm. So this is certainly, uh, like I said, some sort of metaphor for uh, positive adult living. Absolutely. It's for positive anyone's living. <laughs> Because, you know, I I find that, you know, everybody has that superhero inside of them and they just need somebody to give them permission in that moment to let it shine through. They, They just need the confidence to be good at what they're good at. Ooh, I'm getting the chills hearing that. I love that. I completely agree with that. Tell me more about that. What does that mean we need the permission and who couldn't we get that from? Well, you know, that, that's the funny part. We keep looking for permission from everyone but ourselves. And we are the only ones that can give ourselves that permission to step out and be who we really are. You know, it's our own fears. It's, it's the way that we look at the, what other people say to us and what we say to ourselves that, that holds us back from doing and being our authentic person. It's, you know, we need that courage from a mouse to just step out and say, okay, this is me, whether you like it or not, that's okay because I'm me and I'm unique and I belong in this world as much as anyone else. Oh my goodness. You're speaking my language. It's no accident. You're a guest on the show. That epitomizes the whole concept of the brand, the hidden entrepreneur. I spent decades hiding behind fear, um, using that to keep myself back and preventing myself from doing what I knew deep down inside I should be doing, could be doing, am capable of doing, want to be doing, 
but never did. And that creates that eternal cycle of anger, resentment, frustration, because I see other people doing it and I'm like, oh, I want to be doing it, but I'm so scared. So I would seek all this outside approval that never came. Yes, but you know what? I kind of used to feel that way too, but I look at it in a different manner. It's like, you know, all those things that you went through, that frustration, they prepared you for this moment. So you can't really discount that. It's like I hear all the time people go, oh, if I could only, you know, work, you know, full time doing my passion, it's like I don't like my job. And I'm like, wait, stop. That job is what is providing you with the means to pursue your passion. You don't have to love it. You just have to accept that it's a stepping stone to get to where you need to be. So I didn't, I, you know, I've written all these years, you know, for 40 plus years, but I just now got to the point to writing and publishing my first book. I don't think I could have written this book a year ago. Exactly. So you're saying what I outlined as these 40 plus years, I should not say, oh, I wish they didn't happen or look at them as any sort of waste or discount them, but quite the contrary. Absolutely. Yes. I agree with that. I absolutely love that. I mean, I'm at a place right now that I love and adore top to bottom, inside out. And I love, you know, I, I don't look back with mm-hmm. any sort of, oh, uh, if only, or why did that? No, it's like, great. That, like you said, that is exactly what prepared me for today to be this person uh, that I'm here today. And that's what you're saying. Yes. Well, you know, one of my common sayings to people is you never learn anything from perfection. Mm, powerful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow, I love that. And again, I love the whole seeking permission thing. It's, 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 it's a funny term, seeking permission. But as you pointed out, we don't need the permission from others. But, but do we seek it? And that's the, the incorrect path? I, I think that there is. I think we think there's some magical person that we could talk to, some magical class that we could yes. take, or some magical right. book that we could read, and suddenly, you know, the heavens would open, and we're like, "You're oh, worthy." Right. There, yeah. and and it doesn't happen that way. It's like you know, with everything, it takes hard work, it takes dedication, it takes perseverance. Yeah. You know, it takes you really wanting mm-hmm. to do it. It's like, it can't be a sort of dream or a sort of passion. It's got to, you've got to be full in. So true. And you know what else I'm realizing? The people that you seek the permission, like you're hoping that they're just going to like grant you with the, mm-hmm. you know, wave of their wand saying, yes, mm-hmm. you have finally become worthy of it. No, they don't even want you seeking the permission. They want to see you doing it on your own accord. It's, 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 it's amazing. Well, I, I find one of the most defeating words that I see so often on social media is aspiring. Tell me. Aspiring illustrator, aspiring writer, aspiring blogger, aspiring, you know, podcaster, aspiring this, that. Stop aspiring. Do it. That I, I'm, I'm scribbling that down. What a powerful note. Yes. So people are aspiring for certain things instead of just doing, acting, being, 
accepting that they already are. I mean, you may not be at the top level of writing or illustrating or podcasting or whatever it is that that you are aspiring to do, but you are doing it. So give yourself permission to accept that title. Don't say, oh, I'm sort of writing or I'm sort of being an author. No, you are an author. If you've written a, if you've written a grocery list, you're an author. So interesting. But it's also that somebody who might be aspiring, there actually might be a gap that we could address too. Because if somebody's an aspiring something, but they have not yet taken any of that action, then they are aspiring. However... Now is the time. You don't have to aspire anymore. Put down that blog post. Put down that uh, uh, social media update where you're telling somebody you're, and do it. Stop aspiring and do it, right? Exactly. Because again, aspiring is, is basically my first indicator. They're waiting for permission. Hmm. They're waiting what? for somebody to acknowledge that they're no longer aspiring and that they are. It's again, seeking permission. It's almost like blasting to the world. It's like, this is what I want. Would somebody please tell me that I'm there? Yeah. And, and it's sort of, I, I always, looking back on my life of seeking approval, it's so humorous now because I see that I was seeking approval from people that I didn't particularly like or respect. So like, who are you expecting to say, okay, you're worth, they're just as screwy as you are. Like, you know, we're all in the same boat here. You step up and just make it happen. Right. And, and, you know, it does kind of go along with that. You know, I, I don't really particularly care for this phrase, but it does kind of um, give you the, you know, fake it till you make it. It's like, you know, because everybody is to a certain point, everybody's learning. And it's like, if you're not learning, then you need to learn something. It's like, I don't go to bed any day without learning something new. That, mm. that is my one thing I have to do every single day, regardless of how sick I am, how busy I am, or what's going on in the world. I have to learn something new every day or I can't seriously sleep. And, and, and this is how you get better at anything. You, know, you get better at life. You get better at whatever passion dream that you're, you're seeking. It's, you know, go do. <laughs> did I did I hear you correctly when you said that you you only recently became an author and and started pursuing that passion? Right. Um, this actually is my first published book. I have been writing for years, but I just never. Again, I was seeking permission. I was waiting for somebody to tell me I was good enough to publish a book, and hmm. I I just had an epiphany one day going, why? You know, it's like, I read all these books from other authors that, you know, I don't think they're any better or any worse than mine. So why not just jump in and see what happens? Yes. And I'm just so happy I did. It was just like, it completely changed my life. Just jump in and see what happens. That is it. We could we could stop recording now. Seriously, like 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 that's the that's the banner. Just jump in and see what happens. Nothing bad is gonna happen. Even if you quote unquote mess up, slip up, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. That's even the learning experience. Right. And again, you don't learn anything from being perfect. What is the superhero school series? Um, the Superhero School series is um, 
it is the series that that I am writing for for children. It does follow these characters as they are going to superhero school to learn to be superheroes because they think again they're seeking permission that they need somebody to teach them how to do that. Love it. Um, and you know we learn through through the series that they really don't that they're able to go out and and do these amazing things without without instruction and. It's, it's more about giving kids um, a view into trusting themselves, trusting their own choices, trusting that, you know, they can make good friendships, you know, that they can be a good person and that they have all the tools they need. They just need to give themselves permission to be, you know, to be great in the world and not be so um, afraid and so intimidated and so insecure. If you can look back, is, is this topic and theme that you're so drawn to because of what we addressed at the top of the show, the fact that you felt alone and isolated as a child? Um, you know, I, I believe that that has a huge impact on it, but um, it started with my um, youngest granddaughter that she, you know, she kind of asked me a question about um, one of my cats, as you can see, I'm the crazy cat lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she was asking me about one of my cats and it's like, I typically try to make up stories to tell my grandkids at um, bedtime every night. And um, so in answer to the question, this was one of the stories that I made up and oh, wow. um, so the rest of the grandkids were really enthralled with this story. And so we kind of expanded on it. Market research. Talked about it, right? Yeah, it's absolute market research. But it was also about the fact that this youngest granddaughter was having such a hard time. She is the youngest granddaughter. She's in a similar situation where she's the youngest of multiple kids, feeling a little alone, a little left out, trying to catch up all the time, very, very insecure. And so this was more of kind of started out as like a love letter and encouragement to her. Hmm. That's absolutely beautiful. I want to go back and then we'll connect all these dots. Let's go back to the young Donna growing up. We already know um, you, you're the youngest of six and just felt sort of isolated and alone. Mm -hmm. Paint more of that picture for us, please. Well, as I said, you know, my parents were, were both working parents, which was a little unusual in my time, but that was a fact. We were a large family. Um, and my siblings, you know, were, you know, 14 up to, you know, five years older than I am. So they, um, you know, they were all busy with their lives and they all went to school. In fact, my sister that's closest to my age, she has a slight learning disability. So she went to school even earlier than anticipated. So I was alone oh, physically, a lot yeah. and I felt very isolated. You know, I was sent to babysitters where they never were. And, you know, so I'm with these odd people that I didn't know, I didn't feel comfortable around. And, you know, and most of the other children were babies quite frankly. And so it was like, there was no connection to other children to play with. And so I was on my own and kind of, you know, entertaining myself. And it was, you know, it was this challenge within me that, that, you know, I wanted to go to school like everyone else. So I did, I started teaching myself to read, which is kind of a 
Hmm. I didn't know that that not everybody did that. And it's nice to have a big family for that because what I would do is I would pick a word out of a book and I would go to one person and go, okay, what is this word? And they would tell me that I'd find it in the book. And then I'd go to the next person. I'm like, okay, what's this word? And it's like, so they never understood what I was doing. But you know, when you have that many people, it's like, you know, I could learn 10, 12 words a day. Wow. That's amazing. So what was it like as you uh, became uh, 8, 10, 12 years old? Um, well, I, you know, there, there are things that you go through as a child. For, for me, you know, having red hair was, you know, a point where a lot of kids were, you know, teasing uh, me. Um, I was also very, very tall. Um, and um, thin. So, you know, there was a, a lot of teasing about that but I was also very um very shy very introverted and um you know because I'd been alone so much it's like I really didn't understand quite how to interact with other people I hadn't developed those skills and um so for me it was more drawing into myself and it was more about learning than it was any kind of people skills and it took me until I was probably 13 14 years old before I actually started developing friendships because I didn't think they were important. Hmm. Was there that story you were telling yourself that, that just kept you isolated up until that age? Like, Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, because at that point it's like they, uh, most of my interactions with my fellow peers and classmates was that they were not being very nice to me. So it's like, why would, why would I seek them out? It's like, you know, every time I would go near them, it was, you know, um, you know, something about my red hair, or about being tall, or about being thin, or, you know, um, you know, whatever, having, you know, weird shoes. It's, you know, and kids, kids can be a little harsh sometimes. And I understand that that's part of them exercising their own, you know, growing pains. But, you know, as a child at that age, it was just hard. And I just really separated myself from everybody because I didn't want to have to deal with that. Yeah, I, um, I'm i the youngest of three sons. Uh, my two older brothers are six years and nine years older than me. And I never growing up had a connection, you know, with them. Certainly by the time I'm eight and 10, my older brother's out of the house already. So you, you must have experienced that to a greater degree that when you were uh, in your early teens, even they're all out of the house, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, it started pretty young for me by, by about the time that I started actually going to school, you know, my older um, siblings were starting to get married and move out on their own and stuff. And then it's like, it became kind of this weird thing that was happening every two to three years where, you know, another person would leave. And, um, you know, and then um, going through school, it's like my brothers and sisters were old enough from me, you know, the ones that are closer in age to me, that it's like, you know, I was more of an annoyance to them. Mm -hmm. They certainly, you know, they don't want little sister tagging along. That was not, that was not cool. So it's like, there was was a lot of separation from that. So, yeah, um, I get it, it. It was, it was, it was very hard. And it's trying to, to navigate all of that. It's like, okay, you know, because it's like, uh, there were no kids that could relate to me that were, you know, that had families like that, where there were, you know, a big age 
um, range for that many kids is it, mm. it was just very difficult to find anybody who could relate to it. Yeah. It that like being a single child with siblings. <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. I, I, I get that. I, I, I also get the um, annoyance factor because I think that, that that's the way I showed up in the world as a young child. And looking back, it's like, well, come on. I don't know any better. I'm just trying here. Help, <laughs> help me out for a minute. I just, I just need some attention, some, some something, some connection, if you will. Yeah, I know that that was a big thing for me is I always felt as a child, especially interacting with my siblings, that it was this constant game of catch up and I was never going to catch up. It's like there was such a huge gap between what they were able to do and what they knew and what I could, you know, accumulate in a short period of time. And it was wow. just it was just never going to happen. So it's like this just big giant leaps and bounds of trying to catch up and it was very frustrating. And I think it, it kind of drew me into myself even more because, you know, who wants to beat themselves up every day? <laughs> mm. It seems like early on you had, you had embraced learning and education, at least for yourself, as a, some form of survival mechanism. When you were a um, high school student and, and around then, what were you looking to pursue? Um, well, strangely enough, I was kind of split. I really wanted to pursue writing, but of course, you know, counselors <laughs> don't think that that's an actual career. That's something you do at night after oh you go to work. So um, they convinced me to go into um, accounting and banking and finances, which, yeah, I suppose I'm okay with numbers, but you know, it's it's... <clears throat> it's boring. I'm sorry. It is a very boring job. I know, I know there's people out there that absolutely love it and they get something from it. But for me, it was just like, but the counselor said great. so. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure. That's yeah. This was what, this is what you did as an adult. You know, you did, you did the responsible thing, you know, you pursued a career that would, you know, you know, support you, not something that was a passion. It's like passions were for, for you know, in your off hours, which I think wow. is so wrong. <laughs> so you graduated high school and were um, off to college. Before we get into that, at this point of life, <laughs> what kind of relationship did you have with your siblings now that you are a young adult? <laughs> well, quite frankly, it's kind of still the same relationship. They don't understand me. It's like they, um, you know, in fact, it was it was a little comical going through school that I had multiple teachers ask me if I was adopted, even though they knew my brothers and sisters. And I'm like, why would you ask me? That? And they're like, well, you are nothing like your brothers and sisters. It's like, we don't, you know, it's like you're an oddity. And, and my family sort of looks at me as an oddity because they, none of them actually, you know, pursued any kind of academics. Um, they didn't, you know, to them, you know, being, uh, somebody that reads all the time or writes all the time or studies all the time, which is weird. And it's so funny. They see you as that and then wonder, why are you such an oddity? It's like, well, that's yeah, exactly. how you see me. What do you, I don't know. Go figure. <laughs> I'm okay like, with it. It's of like, course. Yeah. you embrace it. You're totally uh, comfortable in your own skin. So uh, what was college life like? What were you uh, doing there? Pursuing the finance 
Um, yes, I did do that. Kind of dipped my toes a little bit into computer programming. And, um, you know, it, and it was funny, too, because I went through all of this and ended up as an executive secretary. So basically, it was kind of a jack of all trades. It's like, okay, and it, and it worked well for me, because again, I like I like learning, I like the diversity of it. But um, college life was great, because it is pretty much focused on learning. You know, with, with a little bit more um, socialization added in. But, it, you know, it, it was easier for me because a lot of the socialization in college is primarily groups. It isn't, isn't too much one-on-one. -on -one. So it was a little easier for me to kind of sit on the sidelines of a group and kind of watch and learn some of these interactions and, and pick up some of these social skills that I'd kind of neglected all through um, you know, my um, early years and going through grade school and in high school. Um, so that's when I actually started coming a little bit more out of my shell and realizing that, you know, it's, it's okay to be myself. It's like, they're either going to like you or they're not. And that's okay too, because you don't like everybody. <laughs> exactly. Did you, did you start to find people who came out and said, well, I like you, let's be friends. Yeah, yeah, I actually did. I, I, I formed some pretty good relationships, you know, in my last probably year or so. Um, I was in high school and then um, going on through college, you know, picked up more. And then, um, you know, as, as I worked and stuff like that, it's, it, you know, it, it becomes like a family. And that was a little easier for me to deal with, you know, when I was working, um, because it does feel more like, you know, a family is people you see every day and you see them on their good days and their bad days. So it, it was a little easier for me to relate to than just people in general. And it's like, I've kind of developed over the years. Um, this attitude though, it's like, you know, everybody's welcome. It's like, I haven't met a stranger yet and I don't intend to. It's like, I think everybody is unique and there's nothing strange about them. And so I just haven't met them yet. I adore that. I adore that statement. Whew. So were you any, were you like writing at night or you just kept that dormant all this time? No, I, I actually <clears throat> have been writing all along. I have boxes and boxes of journals. Some of them have been lost over the years, but I do. And, you know, occasionally I'll go back and look through them and it's, it's not bad writing. But again, I think I needed all those experiences and all those things that I was going through to find my voice, to, mm. to be the, the writer that I really wanted to be. It's, it just, it was just more of me practicing my craft at that point, you know, it was, you know, journaling my emotions, my feelings. It was sitting there trying to write stories. I've been writing stories since I was about five six years old and um so this is just kind of an evolution of my ability to take an idea and draw it into a story and you know I, i've been able to do that for a little while but again i just hadn't given myself permission to be good enough there's that permission again and yeah. the word story is significant because mm -hmm. um i'd like to expand it out from just this author writing a book story because don't they say that story is the oldest form of communication we have and we've been 
communicating through story for millennia. Absolutely. This is, this is how people received news um, before there was anything written down. It's like, you know, it would go from person to person to person. And, and, you know, it became, you know, information to one person. And of course they would add their own spin on it. And then the next person. And so it, it really did by the time it got to the 10th person, it, it, it was a fable. It was a story. It was, you know, their telling of events that were told to them and, and so it became this retelling. It's, it's um, you know, this is how um, parents were teaching their children what to do and what not to do and what was safe to eat and what was not safe to eat, you know, you know to stay away from, you know, the, the lions, tigers, and bears. Um, you know, it was the elders teaching the, the, the younger adults what, you know, could happen, what had happened in the past, what to look for, and what could happen in the future. Um, it was, you know, it was a way of maintaining civilization at that point. It was, it was their only form of communication. I mean, we can go all the way back to the drawings on the walls. They tell stories. And it's also not only the telling of the story that's interesting, but it's also how each individual person receives through our own lens and biases and fears and concerns. Well, yes, but, you know, we still do that because, you know, I personally can read my story here and find something new in it every single time I read it because of what's happening with me, is what emotions I'm feeling, what problems I'm working through, what, what ideas are stuck in my head. It's, it, is, it is a very much a personal view because we do it's like people forget it's like no one can look at anything completely um unbiased because you are a sum of your experiences so you are going to look at things based on what is important to you and what stands out to you it's the exact reason we are more than willing to rewatch a movie we've seen over and over and over again, because it's almost like a familiar new experience rewatching it based on where we are emotionally, spiritually, mentally in that exact moment. Same thing when you hear a song, we've heard songs thousands of times and we embrace it slightly differently every time we, we hear it. Right, because this is, you know, and that is, it, 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 we are seeking comfort because for something about that book, that song, that movie, it resonates with you in a certain way that you know that each time you go back to it, you're going to feel that comfort, but you're also going to feed um, the need to, to seek knowledge. So you're going to learn something new each time. You're going to look at it from a different perspective because you are a different person each time you read it, look at it, or, um, you know, watch it. It, it. it is something new, something that you listen to. It, it's just, you know, it, it's like, you know, reading a book that you read when you were in, in grade school and reading it now. It's like there are so many subtle things in that story that you didn't recognize as a child, but now it makes sense. You know, this, you know, Alice in Wonderland is one of my favorites to use for that example. It's Good like example, if, yeah. If you read it as a child, it, it means one thing. If you read it as a 
teenager, young adult, it, it, it has a different resonance for you. But as you read it as an, you know, as a grown adult with lots of experience, then you're kind of like, oh, wow, this person was very, very clever in writing this story. It's like, okay, now I get what they mean by all of these strange characters and these strange happenings. They, they really do resonate with you, which is why it's such a popular story. There's that concept is so deep, so mm -hmm. profound, because that could be applied to anything in our lives today. How we perceive anything today versus yesterday versus 10 years ago as a child, an interaction, a new interaction, a thing, a painting, a, a word. It's just, it's just us taking the accumulation of all of our experiences to that time and trying to make sense of it the best we can in that moment. Right, which is why I find this seeking permission such a strange thing because it's almost like saying, okay, um, I need your permission to accept that I have only these experiences and not those experiences, so is that enough? for me to interpret what I know. And it's like, of course it is. <laughs> it's and, like, yeah. is the interpretation going to be the same in five years? Probably not. Is it going to be the same in 20 years? Probably not, but that's okay. We all grow. Yeah. And that, uh, you related it earlier to the fact that a lot of us who, who, um, are frozen by that and do not move forward. It's because of this whole perfection model, which does not exist. The, mm -hmm. I, I was making videos years ago and I don't look back on them, but they are atrocious, but they were perfect in that moment. They were as good as they needed or could have been then. So it's, it's like, you just have to progress. You have to do yeah, it. Well, and it's, you know, I, I ran into that a little bit with my illustrator that did my book. You know, she was very concerned about, um, she did have some health issues coming through getting this book out and, I am amazed at the work that she did, but you know, she, you know, is a little bit of a perfectionist and she's like, but I can do better. I can do better. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. We'll do better on book two and then we'll do even better on book three. And we'll, you know, it, I don't, you know, it's okay. It's like, it's okay to be good enough in this moment because my good enough today is not going to be good enough tomorrow and I'm going to do better. And, that's and I just use it as like a stepping stone. It's like, you know, if you're trying to reach something really high and you only have little boxes to put on top of each other, it's going to take you a while to stack those boxes. And that's kind of where I look at life. It's like we're just stacking the boxes to get ourselves up to whatever um, goal or achievement we're trying to get to. So it's like give yourself permission to stack those boxes. What, what, for you specifically, here and now, what is that goal or achievement through these books and this portion of your life? I, I would just like to tell a good story. I would like to be remembered by children as being able to tell a story that they enjoyed and that sneakily taught them something. I don't necessarily want to blast it in their face. I just want to tell them a story that they can relate to and that they love. And that's pretty much all I seek. I just, just want to get my stories out there. 
for me, the, the um, author that comes to mind when you said that is Shel Silverstein. Mm -hmm. You know Shel Silverstein? Have well, you? I've read a little bit, but, you know. Yes. Not, not familiar personally, but yes, I have exactly. read a little bit, yes. Yeah, exactly. Just like someone who, because as a child, that's, um, I, it, it, there was just such a creative approach that just stuck with me. And uh, it seems like that that's all you want is to make an impression upon mm -hmm. uh, the youth. Well, yeah. And I, I don't know, impression is the right word. I think I just want to um, have a place that, that helped them. I, I used the boxes before. I would like to be a box that helps them get up in life maybe a little faster. Hmm. Looking back on a younger version of yourself, what advice would you give that person? That, you know, the things that are happening to you right now are not that important. It's like, this is part of um, what I look at when I'm writing these books is, is for kids, everything is so dramatic. It's so of the moment. It's so urgent. And we just can't see beyond the now at that age. And so I think what I would want to tell them, and I'm, but I'm not sure they would hear me, is that it's not really that important. There is tomorrow. There is another day. There is more coming. It's, it's, you know, not the world, the world doesn't depend on what happens in this moment. It depends on a series of moments. Hmm. Makes so much brilliant sense. What mantra do you live by today? She believed she could, so she did. Hmm. If that's not a banner statement, I love that. She <laughs> believed that she could, so she did. That's right. <laughs> Beautiful. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Yes. Yes, I do. I don't, um, I don't think that I would have been able to write the book that I wrote had I not had the problems over the last two years going through leading up to writing the book and the challenges that I ran into, you know, with, um, you know, my, my, my parents um, were in their, late nineties. In fact, I lost my mother last year. Mm. Um, so those were some big challenges. My, my illustrator had a stroke six months before <laughs> we were supposed to publish. And, um, you know, she was in a coma for almost three months. And so it's like, she came out, she couldn't, she couldn't do anything. And it's like, so it was, it was like, wow. It's like, why all these things are happening right now? It's like, I'm just trying to write this simple children's book, but it taught me a lot of things. It taught me that, you know, patience, perseverance, it will work itself out. And each one of them taught me something that I needed to know that made this book so much better than it would have been had I not gone through those things. So. I kind of have to to look at life and say, you know, is it trying to teach me something? Am I resisting it? And if I am, it's like I need to just kind of let go and and accept that it's happening that way for a reason. It's it's preparing me for what I need to do next. Wow, were you able to in that moment? You're knee deep, and you have this this side derail for a moment, not knowing how long it's going to last, how it's going to wind up. Were you able to quickly, okay, 
it'll work itself out? Well, you know, I, you know, I would like to say I'm a perfect person and <laughs> accepted that. It's like there was a lot of fear going in there, and it's just like heart palpitations. It's like, oh my, oh my, oh my. But you know, for me, all I could think about was my illustrator that was so worried that she was going to let me down. And I'm just like, you know, it's okay. It's like, you know, we've already had to delay the book a couple of times. If we have to delay it again, it's fine. You know, it's hmm. like, let's just see what happens in a couple of months. And it, it really gave her the impetus to work harder. In fact, I talked to her daughter and she said that when she was going through um, therapy, she's like, she would get frustrated and they would get ready to leave and they would be almost to the car. And she's like, you know, I have to go back. She goes, Donna's depending on me. I have to get through this. And so mm. she would turn around and go back and, and maybe try a little bit harder. And it got her through everything. It's like, she um, woke up from a coma in the middle of May and she had those illustrations done in the middle of September. Hmm. And you know, when she woke up, she couldn't even hold a pencil. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah, and, I would I would say. And it was just more, you know, me just saying, you know what, this is the person that I want, so I'm willing to wait for her. And I think, you know, that made it powerful for me. It made it powerful for her. And I think it made a better book. And it made both of us better people. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. It worked out yeah. in your favor. Yeah. So, but, you know, it, 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 but it, again, I did learn sometimes that, you know, it's less about me and more about everyone else. Are you spiritual or religious these days? Um, I am spiritual. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily religious, but I am spiritual. Okay. In what ways does that come about? Um, you know, well, you know, I, I, I do believe that, you know, um, there's goodness in the world and there is not goodness in the world. And I think a lot of times that the not goodness in the world is mostly based on fear and ignorance. Um, but I also think that, you know, you get back what you put out into the world. You know, if you, you know, if you are a good person, if you're kind, if you're helpful, if you're understanding, then you receive that back from other people. And it, and it, it's very comforting. But, you know, if you put negativity out into the world and hate and anger, then most likely that's what you're going to get reflected back to you. And it just becomes this cycle that, that is really hard to break out of. So it's like, you have to, um, stop and this is what I tell my grandkids it's like you know the most powerful thing in the world you can do when you're in a situation is put yourself in the other person's shoes why are they doing what they're doing why are they reacting the way they are and try to understand it's like because I guarantee it's going to change how you react hmm. Fully agree. Fully, fully beautiful. What do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time here on earth comes to an end? Well, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that life doesn't end. I think um, for us, whether it be spiritual conscious or whatever it is, it does go on. I would like to believe 
that we get to come back and learn something new every time. Great. I like that. Before we wrap this up, help us wrap this up into nice one, one nice big bow of a message. What is the core message we are talking about here that you want to leave us with? That you have everything that you need inside of you to be an amazing person. You don't need permission. You just need to trust yourself and believe. Beautiful. I will leave you with this final question. Donna Sager Cowan, how would you like to be remembered? I would like to be remembered as a genuine person. Well, we can, we can leave it at that. I think you, um, you're well on track. You're doing uh, extraordinary work. Uh, I loved my time here with you. Genuine indeed. Thank you truly thank for, for opening up and spending this time with us. Oh, thank you so much, Joss. I've had a wonderful time and I, I couldn't have thought of another person I would want to talk to about all of these things. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot. And I appreciate everybody tuning in today. As always, if you got something out of it, take even just one small step, one action, put it out into the world and watch what happens. We're going to have another great episode not too far behind. Thank you for listening and tuning in. And until we do it again, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.